So we have approached the place on this journey that we are on in Romans where we are looking at how God chose Israel. And we're talking about national Israel. And we found out last week that God's word never fails. It will always fulfill his purposes. We also found out that God is just in his sovereign choices. He's sovereign. God does things his way because he's God. And everything that God does is right. And so we found out that in his sovereignty, there's a lot of things that happen in life that sometimes people don't understand because God is working out his plan. And what the devil tries to do to destroy God's people, God turns it around for good. So we also found out that God is the potter and we are the clay. And he's molding and shaping us into who we're going to be for him. And some of us are molded and shaped in, in, in different kind of uh, shapes. Careful. Different kinds of shades of color. Different kinds of personalities. But he's still the potter. And we're the clay. We don't tell God how to make us. He makes us who he thinks we should be because he knows best. And then we ended that sermon with first things first. We concluded with the understanding that God's plan of salvation is people will be saved by faith, not by law. Not by what we can do, but what Christ has already did on the cross. And I love that because it gives us a great understanding that it's not about me, it's about him. He did it. I never can. He finished. I never could. I'm forgiven because he took on my sin. And it makes us look at ourselves differently and it makes us look at people differently when you understand the grace of God. And that's what the gospel is all about. It's about God's grace. Israel, the nation, we found out that there's an important thing to understand, that there's national Israel and there's spiritual Israel. There's those that put their faith and those that are born into ethnicity. And we saw that in, in the scriptures last week. Today, I titled my message, God's Salvation Plan. If there's a way that we can be saved, wouldn't you want to know? If there is a way that we can have salvation with God, isn't it important for us to have a clear understanding of what that is? The Bible in chapter 10 of Romans helps us to really understand what it is to be saved. Because here's what we need to, under, to, to, to know. Is that Jesus, though he was the greatest teacher that there has ever been on this earth, he did not come to be a great teacher. That was not his sole purpose. Jesus, even though he was the greatest miracle worker that will ever walk on this earth, his sole purpose wasn't to do miracles. Jesus, even though he was Lord over time and space, he knew what was happening in other places. He could, he could say one thing here and it would happen over there. They would be healed. He knew what people were thinking. Even though there's no one like him because he's God in the flesh, 
His sole purpose was not that. His sole purpose was to save those who are lost. He came for one reason. And that reason was to save people from their sins. And when we appropriate that into our lives, we begin to understand that Jesus is the gospel in personified. He is the gospel. And that's why in the very beginning, when we started going through Romans, in chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, we saw, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. Are you beginning to understand the process? Are you beginning to understand why it is important for us to understand that Jews, Jesus came as a Jew and he came for the Jew, but it was a plan for the whole world. He goes on to say, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. In other words, from the Jew to the last Gentile that will ever name the name of Christ. It will be the, ga- the gospel that will set you straight. That will make you right. That will save you all the way to the end. And it ends by saying, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. The righteous won't live by what you can do. The righteous will live by what Jesus has already done. And you grabbing a hold of that and living in that. So I titled this message. We're going to go to Romans chapter 10. I, the the, the, the um, God's salvation plan. And I want us to read chapter 10 because it gives us such a clear understanding of what that means. Let me pray. Father, thank you for this second service. My prayer, Lord, is that you will work through me, work in me, Lord God, to uh, speak words that are going to be very clear and understandable. As always, I say that, Lord, because I think it's important. And also, Father, for everyone hearing, I pray that their minds will be cleared, their ears and their heart will be open to receive all that you have for each of us. And when we leave this service, our prayer is that we will be more like Jesus and that we'll have a greater understanding of what it means to be saved and that we can take that message to people around us and that they can get saved and then they can take that message to people around them and they can get saved. And Father, we want to be people that save other people through your power. That's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So it starts and says, Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge, since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own. They did not submit to God's righteousness. Christ is the culmination or the fulfillment, is another way to look at that, of the law, so that there may be righteousness for everyone who, say it with me, Believes. Moses writes this about the righteousness that is by the law. The person who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that is by faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. And let me just touch on that real quick. 
The reason that we don't say that we're going to go to the heavens to bring Christ down is because he's already come down. And he's already accomplished his work. The reason that we don't say to ourselves that we're going to bring Christ up from the abyss, from the dead, is because Jesus already went to the abyss, to the dead. He was there for three days, and he rose again. We don't have to relive that anymore because it's already been accomplished. Amen? And it says, but what does it say? Verse 8, the word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. Isn't that great? There is no bias with God. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He confirms that again and again. How then can they call on the, on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Didn't we get a message today about going out and being a light? And making it be, not just being a Sunday morning Christian, but every day of the week because people need to know that there's a difference? Amen? The Bible confirms how important that is. And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And today we can say, Pastor James, you've got some beautiful feet. <laughs> Tus patas están pero bonitas. Translation, your feet are really pretty. But not all of the Israelites accepted the good news, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. But I ask, did they not hear? Of course they did. Now, here Paul is giving us an understanding, or the, or the Holy Spirit working through Paul, is that the Israelites, they have rejected the message of God. Not all of them, but a great majority at that time. Amen? Their voice has gone out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. Again, I ask, did Israel not understand? First, Moses says, I will make you envious by those who are not a nation. Who would that be? The Gentiles. Okay? I will make you angry by a nation that has no understanding. And Isaiah boldly says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. I really touched on that last week. Remember that? That he chooses us. Remember that? But concerning Israel, he says, all day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. Four points, four things that I think are very vital for us to be able to give the salvation plan of God to everyone around us. The first thing is the gospel needs to be understood. Paul had a heart for his nation, his people, the Israelites, the Jews. His desire for them was that they would be saved. And if their salvation simply came by being a Jew, he would have never had a desire for them to be saved. Someone say amen. If you drop, I'll say it. I'll repeat it again. If they were saved because they were ethnically a Jew, 
then he would not have a desire for them to be saved through the gospel. But isn't that the desire of every Christian? Don't we have a desire for our loved ones, our friends, our family to be saved? How many of us, when you receive Jesus, do you want to share this good news with other people? And how many times do other people reject you? How many times do you go around your friends, your peers, and you are scared to death, intimidated to share the greatest thing that they could ever, not the greatest thing, but the greatest person that they could ever receive, and that's Jesus Christ. How many times are we intimidated? Are we fearful? But really a heart longs for those around us to be saved. Because here's my understanding. This life is very temporary. And salvation is eternal. So that person sitting next to you, if he's not saved or she's not saved, Right now, I would be praying, saying, Lord, touch their hearts. Let them know that they need you. Let them know that you are the great pearl, that without God in your life, we're lost. Without God in our life, there's no peace. Without God in our life, there's no love. Without God in your life, you throw your boots at your brother. We got to get the Mockby boy saved, huh? And so you begin to understand that, 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 that there's a longing for us or in us for people to get saved. But you have to have a good understanding of the gospel. And there's two kinds of righteousness. We hit this over and over and over. And the reason that we have is because the Bible has made this emphasis over and over and over. Two kinds of righteousness. The first kind is the righteousness that is by law. The righteousness that is by the law. This is where the Jews who rejected the gospel were stuck. Their knowledge of God was distorted. It was skewed because they were not looking through the lens of the finished work of the Messiah. When you look at life through the finished work of the cross, you understand that Jesus said these three important words. He said, it is finished. No longer do we have to try ourselves so difficult and so uh, um, just try in our own strength to please appease and get right with God. When we go through the cross, we understand that he paid it But the Jews were not looking through the finished work of the Messiah. And that's why Paul wrote, For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge or understanding, since they did not know the righteousness of God, but they sought to establish their own. They did not submit to God's righteousness. See, there's a lot of people that are zealous for righteousness. There's a lot of people that are zealous to do good. In fact, there are people that will always be comparing themselves with other people. There are people 
or we might fit in that category that we always look down on people because they don't measure up to a certain standard. But when we measure ourselves up with the standard of God, we find ourselves falling short. And so the Jews did not understand the righteousness of God. The NLT puts it like this, for Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. And Moses writes that the law's way of making a person right with God requires for you to keep all of its commandments. Amen? Christ has paid it all. If you go through the law, you're always going to fall short because you, it's not about keeping one. It's not about keeping two. It's not about keeping three. It's not about keeping seven. It's not about keeping eight or nine. You've got to keep them all. And have you ever tried to keep the Ten Commandments? It just shows us that we need a Savior. The second kind of righteousness is this. It is by faith in Christ. When you get a clear view of the gospel, you begin to understand just how vain our own accomplishments are. In fact, when you start, when you get a clear understanding of the gospel, you begin to stop, you, you stop saying what you've done and you begin to say, this is what Christ has done for me. You begin to sing that song. By the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. That's how we overcome. See, when Christ becomes your righteousness, we begin to understand that he has overcome because we never will. Beloved, let me say this to you. There are some of you in here. There are some of us in here that there's people in your life. And they actually think that they're good enough. And there are people in your life that they think they're worth it. But whether you think that you're good enough or whether you think that you're worthless, both sets need Whether it's that person that says, you know what, I don't need, I'm, I'm good, I'm a good person, I'm not like Art. He's taking notes and all that, you know, but he ain't that good. No, beloved, we absolutely positively need the atonement of Jesus and everything he accomplished on the cross for our righteousness. I love the Apostle Paul. He really helps us here. This is what he said in Philippians 3.6. He said, I obeyed the Jewish law so carefully that I was never accused of any fault. Paul said, you want to brag? Let me tell you something. As a Jew, I've obeyed every Jewish law so carefully that no, none of my contemporaries, no one around me ever accused me of anything wrong. But he still needed to be saved. Because if he was chasing the Christians around, and that's what Saul did. 
His name was Saul before he became Paul. He was chasing these Christians, trying to put them in prison. Jesus met him on the road to Damascus. And he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul must have thought, I'm not persecuting you, Lord. Who are you, Lord? He says, it's Jesus. I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. Saul must have thought, I'm not persecuting you. I'm persecuting this church, the way. I'm, I, I mean, they are crazy for you. And Jesus Christ saved him. He found him. He changed his life. And after that, Paul was never, ever the same. Before he came to Jesus, he depended on that. But when he came to Jesus, his mind and his heart changed, and that's exactly what happens to us. This is what he said. He said, I no longer count on my own goodness or my ability to obey God's law, but I trust in Christ to save me. That's unadulterated, clear presentation of the gospel. I no longer count on my good deeds or my ability to obey any law, but I trust in Jesus Christ to save me. He goes on to say, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ, my Lord. I consider everything rubbish that I may gain Christ, not having a righteousness of my own, but that which is through faith in Christ. Here's my question to you. Where is your right standing at today? Is it in what you are doing? You'll live a very defeated life. First service, preached a message. I couldn't, I couldn't speak. Everything I tried to say, I'd stumble. I feel for first service. If I depended on that to make me right with God, I would be miserable right now. But guess what? In between services, I said, Lord, I'm yours. Thank you for mulligans. Thank you for second service, for another chance. I'm saying that because some of you may be living in a defeated life because you're trying to earn your righteousness on your own. And some of you may not even be trying to earn any righteousness. <laughs> but whether you're trying to earn righteousness on your own, whether you're trying to be good enough for God, or whether you're saying, you know what, I'm going to do whatever I want. Both sets need Jesus. And when you receive Jesus, I'm going to tell you something, beloved. When, you, when Christ comes into your life, and he becomes your savior. It's about him. Not about you. See, some of you may be in here. You may think that you're failing as a, as a wife or a husband or as a son or a daughter, as a parent. You may have all kinds of struggles going on as a boyfriend, as a girlfriend. Can I tell you something? God's on your side. And every time you try to measure yourself in doing a certain thing, and I'm not going to say that you're not supposed to strive for righteousness. I love the word that came today. 
the word the, the word that came through through Lily that mess that that voice that word that came was talking about you know what we need to in Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit we need to walk our walk every day of the week but can I tell you you're not graded like that God doesn't grade you by saying oh man you sure did good this week but last week you really messed up he grades you with a curve actually he grades you with a cross and that cross says Jesus did it all. And as long as you hold on to Jesus, you have no reason to be shameless. You have no reason to live in shame. You have no reason to live in depression. You have no reason to live in defeat. Because Jesus is the champion. And you're his. All the good deeds and all the works that we accomplish on our own are nothing if Jesus Christ is not at the center. John MacArthur, uh, Pastor John MacArthur, he put it like this. He says, as far as the way of salvation is concerned, there are only two religions the world has ever known or will ever know. The religion of divine accomplishment which is biblical Christianity, that means Jesus did it, and the religion of human achievement, which includes all other kinds of religions, by whatever names they may go by. In other words, one says Jesus accomplished it, and the other one says we will try to accomplish it. Every other religion besides Christianity says this is what you can do for God, Christianity says, thank you, God, for what you've done for me. And it changes our lives completely. When the gospel is clearly un understood, we know it's Jesus who works. And Jesus' work saves us, as Romans confirms. For Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. In other words, Jesus fulfilled the law. Are you with me? He did it all, what man could not do. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. It's settled, it's done in the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. And so when you clearly understand this, you don't have to make it complicated. How many people make it complicated? You make it religious instead of a relationship. You try to bring Christ down from heaven, and he's already come. And you don't have to go into the realm of the dead to raise Christ up because he's already been raised, and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And all you have to do is take a step, and it says the word is near you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's clear. For it is with your heart that you believe and you're justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Point number two, the gospel needs to be proclaimed. When you understand it, we need to proclaim it. We need to share it. 
I want us to think about, about scriptural logic. Let's be logical here. If the Jews, which is the context here, will be saved because they are national Israel, Paul would never say the gospel needs to be spread and shared with them and all the world. Jesus said to his disciples before they went to their known world, and I want you to think about this, before the, these, these, these 12 apostles, before they went out into their known world, Jesus spoke to them specifically. He said, I want you to wait for the promise. And when the promise, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you are going to receive power. And you're going to be my, my witnesses. What does a witness do? A witness testifies about something they've seen or heard. Okay, you're going to be my witnesses first, or both is what the literal says, both in Jerusalem and in Judea. That's where the Jews live. And then you're going to go into Samaria. Samaria is where the half-breed Jews live. And then he says, and then you're going to go to the uttermost parts of the earth. But you're going to go and you're, you're going to proclaim the gospel. Once you understand it, you will proclaim it to people around you. Someone in your workplace needs to know Jesus. Someone in your school needs to know Jesus. There's someone in your family that desperately needs Jesus. Bible gives us a promise that we will receive power. Power. You know, if Alex Beach, all he did was sing every Sunday and went home and didn't do anything for God, all he would do would be a singer. But Alex Beach does more than that. And I know this firsthand because I've seen him. It's not only does he sing for Jesus, but he goes out and everyone that God gives him an opportunity, he will share the gospel with them. To try to bring them to Jesus. Can I tell you something, beloved? Every one of us has an opportunity. Every one of us has someone in our life that needs God. Because God's the only one that can change them. And we need to proclaim the gospel. What are we afraid of? Let me ask you a question. Don't, don't raise your hand, but how many of you in the last week have told someone in your workplace about the things of God? Don't raise your hand. How many of us have, have sat this week and had a discussion with our kids and told them how important Jesus is in their life? This is not a guilt trip. This is the word of God. We proclaim it. The good news. We proclaim what God can do in our lives. There's four very important questions that 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 Romans eight, I mean Romans ten, gives us, and, and and here they are: How how can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they call? Before you believe, you have to call. Amen. You got to say, you have, when, I'm going to believe, I'm going to call on Jesus. Every person needs to know that Jesus died for their sins and was raised to life again. Uh, uh, life again. Then the person has a choice to trust in Jesus and call on him. 
See, they can't believe until you, 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 you tell them. Amen? Number two, how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? Man, think about this sobering fact. Think about this. What if your partner at work, you work with him for 20 years, and you never, ever share anything about Jesus, ever. And you go to their funeral. And at that funeral, they never received Christ. You had an opportunity, even if it was just to say anything, Jesus loves you. Jesus cares for you. How can they believe if they don't hear? Verse 17 says, faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Can I, let me say this again. You know what's going to change people around you? Jesus. He will change us. Living Word Chapel we're a part, but we're, we're, not, we're not the answer. Jesus Christ is. Number three, question number three, how can they hear without preaching to them? And I kind of talked about that. To preach is to proclaim uh, like a herald. In the, before there was ESPN, before there was CNN, before there was uh, Fox News, where you hear all the news, there was a herald in the city squares. And he would say, today... In the town of San Manuel. They are putting some poles at the high school. And none of us know what they're about. Because all of you are asking the same question. What in the world are those steel poles doing at the high school? I know there's solar panels. I know about And that's what a herald did. And so, I don't know if you've heard the news, but in England, there was a baby that was born. And this baby is a royal baby. Not just a baby, but a royal baby. And everyone's going nuts. Oh, the baby was born. <laughs> but when that baby was born, the herald came out. And with a trumpet, today, in London Square, there has been a baby born to the royal family. We had a baby born that was born 2,000 years ago that was born the son of God. Lived a perfect life. Died a shameful death for me. There's no way on earth And there's no way in hell 
but I won't share them with people around me. Because I'm not the answer to my family. Jesus is. I'm not the answer to Living Word Chapel congregation. Jesus is. If the Lord tarries one of these days, I'm going to get old. Don't rush it, PB. And PB, when I get old, PB will probably be with the Lord. And I'll be sitting right there. And there'll be someone preaching here about Jesus. People around you need to hear that there's an answer. People around you need to know that there's peace that surpasses all understanding, and it's in Jesus Christ. People around you need to know that there's love beyond the bedroom because that's where they think it is. There's a love called commitment. And he committed himself to the cross because he loved you. And he loved me. Question number four, how, how can they preach unless they're sent? Can I tell you right now that Jesus right now is speaking through me? It's his word. Can I tell you that he's saying go? Go and make disciples. Every one of us are called to go. Now self's coming, but he went first. And you're going to go again, right, Sal? As Pastor Bob used to say, go before you come. We're all sent, we're all commissioned to go into our world and share the love of Jesus. Just looking at Bino right now, I'm just, you know, Bino's a chaplain at Living Word Chapel. God has used them at Sycamore Ranch. Today, we, we had kids from Sycamore Ranch. We had one whole row, one whole row, and every one of them at the invitation, every one of them said, I need Jesus in my life. Because Bino has planted the seed, and he was sent. Now, beloved, can I tell you something? God wants for you to share the greatest message known to man with everyone that will say, I want to hear it. Look at what, I'm going to end with this scripture, and I'm going to give you the last point, but I'm not going to go into that. But look at this last scripture. God called the apostle Paul, and he said, I'm sending you to your own people, that the Jews, and to the Gentiles. And in the context, he says, I will protect you from them. 
because they were going to try to kill him. And he said, I'm sending you to your own people and to the Gentiles to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. And that's Jesus talking. God is still sending us to our known world to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, so that they can be forgiven and be set apart in Christ by faith. Beloved, it's, it's time. It's time for us to quit wasting time. It's time for us to say, Lord, hey, count me in. Count me in. I am a part of the team. What team? Team Jesus. I'm a part of the family. I want to go out. The last point, and I'm just going to give this to you so that you have it down. The gospel needs to be believed. You make it understandable. You proclaim it. And then you say it's your decision today. Would you like to believe in Jesus? And they're going to say, can I tell you, they're going to say this. You know what? I would. Because God is going to be with you. All heads bowed. God brought some of you here today because today's your day to receive Jesus as your Savior.